it's not sufficient to just earn that degree. There's then, a whole yeah. set of cultural family capital that goes with making that degree mean something. From UW Tacoma, this is Pot Defiance. Welcome to Pot Defiance, where we don't lecture, but we do educate. Today, we're talking about first-generation students. With UW Tacoma, Director of Student Transitions, Amanda Figueroa and Yanira Pacheco, First-Generation Student Initiative Coordinator. So what's your role for the university? What do you do? I can start. Sure, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, Well, my position is brand new. We started in January. um, And thanks to the advocacy of students, faculty, and staff at University of Washington, Tacoma, they created this position, which the title is First Generation Student Initiatives Coordinator. So my responsibility is to develop... um, curriculum programming um, that it will help advance the academic um, goals of our students, our first-generation students. But it's not only developing programming, it's also to serve as an advocate uh, for students and and also staff, faculty and staff who, can, who are first-generation. Also serve uh, as an advisor for students to help them achieve their academic goals and their professional goals and serve as a resource for faculty and staff. So that would look, for example, as a, as a way where I can provide them with data, um, latest trends, uh, and issues pertaining to first-generation students. And, and I hope I can serve personally. I hope I can serve as a role model and also as a student at the same time. Mm-hmm. Thank you. What about you, Amanda? So as Director of Student Transition Programs, I say that we work K to gray to support big dreams. So that means that all of our work in student transitions is anchored in career. So knowing what what success looks like for students after they graduate with a college degree, and then also new student programs, so orientation, and then PAC advisors who act as student leaders and orientation guides, and then pre-college outreach. So we have a position that focuses specifically on helping all of our community understand what are post-secondary pathways and how do they identify right fit pathways for themselves. That is great work that you guys are doing. Um, So the topic for today is first-generation students. The first thing I want to start off is what is first-gen? What is first-gen to you? For me, a first-gen, and actually the way we're using it right now on campus is first-generation student is a student that is the first in their family or the, uh, in their family to attend college and hopefully graduate from mm-hmm. college also. Um, in my case, for me, being a first-generation student still means being a role model. I was the first one in my household to attend college. We were three, we are three kids in that three kids in the household. Um, my pa- my father was in the military and my mom was not able, to, of course, she did high school. And then she was trying to complete an associate's, which is interesting because she was able to complete it after, while well, I was doing my undergraduate program. Oh, she's a superwoman. <laughs> yeah, she's a superwoman. I love her. So um, it means for me to be a role model, but at the same time to be able to pay it forward for those who actually were able to help me achieve what I have been able to achieve. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's great. I resonate with a lot of what you just shared. Uh, so for me, I'm also a first-gen student, first in my family to go to college. Uh, my dad had some technical training uh, when he was uh, discharged from the Army and went to actually Bates here in Tacoma. And then uh, he moved to Chicago. And when my family came back to Tacoma, uh, my mom uh, went from being a stay-at-home mom and going to Bates and earning uh, an accounting or a bookkeeping um, certificate. So for me, being first-gen is also um, navigating and and not only paying it forward, but making sure that that information gets back to my family. Mm-hmm. So actually, my husband just started his college career last fall at oh, TCC. Good. Yeah, shout out to the Titans. <laughs> um, and so it's been really fun to to just continue to have those conversations in my house and with my nephew. And um, it's just uh, that's another, I think, big part of being first gen is that um, you navigate and then you figure out how to widen those pathways and reduce barriers. So now going back a little bit to like what first gen is, what are some of your experiences being in college? Because we oftentimes say, well, I'm a first generation student, but we don't really think about our experiences during college. What was that like for you? Um, Well, in my household, there was not an option. Uh, I was uh, the oldest and the only female in my household. And the instructions given to me (laughs) or the directions were either you go to college or you get enlist in the military. Um, for me, I was always, my dream was to become a, a marine biologist. The challenge was that to do this, I will have to move out of my household, which that was a, a, a challenge there. Mm-hmm. And also, it meant that I probably will have to pay more for it, which I couldn't afford True. at that point. Mm-hmm. So I remember many of my counselors and even family members suggesting, listen, you, one of your main concerns is how information is disseminated, who has access to information, and how they use this information. Why don't you, have you considered studying mass communications, even public relations? Have you even considered that? And to be very honest, I never thought about that. I never thought that that was even a field that I could be part of. Um, some of my, especially in high school, some of my counselors in high school provided me with some information, and, and especially they were suggesting that I should do that. And not only that, it would allow me to stay at home, um, stay at home and then commute to campus and actually go to a campus that I could afford. And that's what I did. I registered on campus for um, University of Puerto Rico. And this was uh, this is a land-grant institution, actually. Mm-hmm. And it makes it they, one of their mission is to make sure they make it affordable for students to, uh, to attend school, to attend college. Um, I did. I registered and I was able to conduct my, uh, do my program, bachelor's degree in mass communications with specialization in public relations. But in the process, I had to uh, work with the idea that my father, for my father, it was difficult for him to accept that his daughter was going to college, um, to understand the process of what it meant for me to study in college. An example of that was I remember when I was at home, I will study very late until very late at night mm. and even till the morning and my dad will come. I can relate to that. I know. <laughs> and my dad will come in the middle of the night and shut turn the lights off. And I will tell him that I'm studying. I need to study. I need to finish this. Yeah. And he says, no, mija, you are wasting electricity. So you need to go to sleep. So it was chal- because I couldn't challenge him. Yeah, you those know. were the challenges I see. Like yes. those little small things. You're like, I need Absolutely. time to study. Absolutely. Yeah. And to explain to him what it meant. Why did I have to stay late to study? That it was not just one course. How many hours I needed to do that? And it, I myself was trying to learn what it meant for me. Um, 
But those were some of the examples that I uh, that I had to do. I didn't have transportation. I depended on public transportation. Therefore, group meetings from peers, it was difficult for me to go because most of them were off campus. Also, I had four jobs to supplement my income. Wow. Yes. That's a lot. <laughs> and you know that when yeah. you work so many hours, that takes away from study mm-hmm. at the same time. So it's like, where do I balance it? Like- Correct. So those were some yeah. of the challenges that I work with, but we were able to manage with some mentoring mm-hmm. and help. And, mm-hmm. and and all the time with the support of my family, I must say. Yeah. All the time my family was supported. They knew that I needed to complete this, um, this how can I say, this journey. And it was my responsibility to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I would like to hear about Amanda. Like, what were your challenges? Yeah, I was um, really fortunate in high school that I went to a lot of advanced classes, But my parents didn't know how to go to college, and there were lots of family things that were happening in my life at that time. And so when I graduated from high school, I got a job right away uh, and then saw my friends go off to college. And then I was working doing customer service for Mm -hmm. a garbage disposal company, one of many jobs that I would hold before I finished college. Uh, And then actually... About a year and a half after that, was like, gosh, I'm really living hand to mouth. I want to go to school. I really want to. I want to find out what this is about, and so started going to school at night at Green River Community College and got my AA there. And the whole time, like, really interested in science, but I didn't know anybody who was a scientist. And some of my major concerns as I was graduating high school was like, how am I going to have health insurance? Exactly. Right? Like, I got to pay my bills. I got to care for myself. I got, right? Not, like, not even let alone support family. So, so I had some great mentors. I did some volunteering at the Seattle Aquarium um, and made some great mentors there. And uh, they encouraged me to go into the sciences. And uh, I had a family conversation with my mom and dad and said, I don't know how to get a job in this field, but I know I'm really passionate about it. And they supported me and said, let's do it. So I went down to Oregon State for a year for a program, uh, which was canceled like 10 weeks before the program was supposed to start because of budget crisis down in Oregon, um, and then came back up to Seattle and actually finished and got my uh, bachelor's from UW Seattle only attending their three quarters. So I kind of have some similar pathways where I like didn't really know where I was supposed to go. I didn't know that you could attend like field courses at other universities as a student at one university. And so a lot of similar challenges. Um, And then when I went on to graduate school, right, so I graduated with a degree in biology and then um, was networking my butt off because I was so worried about having a job and landing a job, right, because my family's like, yes, we support you in going to science. I'm like, I have to get a job when I leave. And it's already a hard field to get in. So that's one of the challenges, like STEM. Yes. Women in STEM and all that is very hard. Yes. But then when I went on to go to graduate school, it was it was an even it was a step further outside of my family's wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my parents actually did not support my decision to go to graduate school until a year after I started um, in the sciences. And a lot of students don't know this in a lot of fields in the sciences. They actually pay you to go to graduate school and wow. you can get research <laughs> assistantships. See, I didn't even know this. Right? Yes. <laughs> and teaching assistantships. Um, and so. I had those lined up and I was accepted and my mom was like, she did not believe me that someone was going to pay me, 
right? Mm-hmm. Because when you're working two, three jobs, you see your family, you see how hard they work to make it, and then you're like, yeah, mom, someone's going to pay me to look at fish gonads all day. And they're like, like, what? You're making that up. How much are you yeah. in debt? What are you doing? They see those little things like, who's going to pay you? Who's going to watch that? Right. And I'm like, mom, people do that, okay? They pay <laughs> for those little things that sound a little bit ridiculous, but they do pay for it. Absolutely. And sometimes that makes you doubt yourself in yes. the process, too. Yes. And not that, right, not that she didn't love me, not that she didn't, but she had no knowledge of how do you navigate forward in the in these fields. And I had gotten great mentorship mm-hmm. who said, if you want to grow, you need to go to graduate school. So I went and got my master's and I'll never forget, like, I was so <laughs> steeped in academia by that time. I was like, I don't think I'm going to go to the ceremony. I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But mom's like, no, you're going. You're going. Yeah. And I will never forget like graduating and seeing her come across the field with just tears. Oh my God. Right? Streaming down her face. And then I got this huge celebration basket for my family in Texas. It was, I mean. Mm-hmm. Because they see all the effort that you have, yeah. that you have put on it, yes. and, and 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 how the effort, but it's hard work. Yes, it's hard work. It's yeah. books because usually that's what you think. Oh, it's just books. No, it's very, it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of work. Hey everyone, it's Maria. I wanted to take a moment to talk about First Gen Fellows. The program provides support not just to first-gen students, but to all students at UW-Tacoma. First-gen fellows host a number of activities and workshops designed to help people successfully transition to college. In the past, the fellows have hosted bonfires, career workshops, and stress relief sessions. If you want to know more about the program, visit the UW-Tacoma website and type first-gen fellows into the search bar. I want to talk a little bit more, you know, like, what what happened after college? Mm-hmm. What was that like after college? Because we do think about like, okay, applying to colleges and then once in college, but what happens after college? What was that like? So my story is very similar in terms of that I, I finished, I was working on my undergraduate program and I was noticing that um, I was, a, I was scared. I was thinking, who's going to give me a job? Where am I going to find a job, especially in media and communications, where back home I noticed that it, unless you were with the right groups and the right networks, mm-hmm. it was very difficult to find a position, needless to say, even an internship. Uh, unfortunately, when I was in college, I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have. I didn't know that I even had an academic advisor who could help me in the process. Mm-hmm, um, I had to navigate everything through my peers. To be very honest, they were the ones who helped me. And in the process, I remember one uh, counselor from another college. Um, she had heard that I was interested. I wanted to travel, and I told her. And one of my peers, one of my friends, actually to- introduced me to her, and she said, "Listen, have you heard about National Student Exchange?" And I said, I have mm, no what idea. Is that? Exactly. <laughs> what like, does that what? mean? And then my I've second question is, <laughs> how much is it? Mm-hmm. And she said, I think that we might be able to make it worth your while and we might be able to help you to uh, um, cover the costs or maybe even partially uh, partially funded. But I think you qualify. You want to learn more about your areas in communications. You want to learn more about uh, other places. I know right now you won't be able to do study abroad, but at least you can work in this program. You can actually travel to another uni- university anywhere mm-hmm. in the United States or their um, um, Hawaii, including Hawaii or Guam. Mm-hmm. You can go take credits in your field and at the same time practice English. 
And I said, I'm sold. And she said, plus you can go to Canada. And I said, we're done. We're done. We're, we're going done. to Canada. We're doing this. <laughs> Actually, that was my thought. So we're going. And she truly helped me in the process to find funding and to take credits. Actually, I was able to get, I did it throughout the summer. While I was there, I was exposed to, I was at the um, SUNY Oswego. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was exposed to some faculty who actually said, they saw. They told me, they said, you have certain talents that we would like to be able to connect with and through you connect through your university. No one ever while I was in college told me that I had talents, that I had skills. That you had skills. Exactly. Because yeah. it's more about like, what can you not do? Correct. What do you not know how to do? Correct. Instead of like, what can you contribute? It was more of a deficiency model rather than mm. what I what I, was I contributing to this institution or to the field. Um, I still was a junior. So mm-hmm. I said, I, I don't know where to start. And he said, well, the first thing is we were going to get you connected with the Speech Communication Association. And be, because your areas in public relations, how about you help us uh, develop a conference on, in your campus, and wow. you will be our connection. You tell that to a, a student in P, in public relations, I'm thinking, what? Wait, how do I do a presentation? Correct, correct. <laughs> and now you're telling me that I am going to, I, I didn't have any idea what a conference meant, how to organize it, and how to be a liaison, because that's what she was telling me. And I was not even faculty or even staff in the university. She said, we'll teach you, but you will be our connection. First of all, we want to make sure we have a lot of students involved in this process. And I said, fantastic. So I was taking classes with this professor, Joan Loveridge Sambon Matsu. I will never forget. And wherever she is, I will always shout say, out. Thank you. That's right. That's right. And she will, she got me, um, she paid for my membership in the organization. Mm-hmm. And she taught me while I was there, she gave me the instructions of what I needed to do. And when I came back to Puerto Rico, University of Puerto Rico, I helped her in the process. So I serve almost a, as a liaison, but at the same time as an ambassador for students. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the best experiences in my life. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about that is that actually, gave me an opportunity for people in my college to see me mm. and what I was bringing to the table. Mm. Um, unfortunately, there were other faculty in, in, in the department that we find more people, well, in my path, I found more people who instead of lift you up, yeah, they just... It's they, the opposite. <laughs> exactly, unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately, I remember her name, too. <laughs> okay, no shout-out. <laughs> no shout-out. But I'll never forget when I went to uh, to meet with her to look at what were my courses. I needed courses to finish um, for my senior year. I'll never forget when she said, you're never going to make it. Um, I don't think you have the skills necessary to be in this field. Yes. At that moment, of course, I'm young. I didn't know. First of all, it was the level of respect. You have an elder. You're not supposed to contradict what they're saying. Yeah. So they're supposed to be things. wise, you know, yes. and, and they're supposed to guide us. And that's what she said. So at that moment, I took it for that was my reality. But I was very fortunate. My mom is a very strong woman, and she has never given up on anything in life. And I remember that I had her support. So I'll never forget that at that point, I threw her and and. and with my friends and my family, especially my grandmother, they say, you're going to, con- whatever is it that you're going to do, you're going to continue, you're going to mm-hmm. finish it. So I got connected while I was there uh, doing my national student exchange. I also connected with other peers that were going to graduate school. And you're like, I can just talk to you guys. Exactly. Like, yeah. And they were saying, why don't you, we're going to graduate school. How about you 
go to graduate school too. And I was like, that's not for me. I don't think I can do that. Mm-hmm. I'm barely wa- doing undergrad. Right. <laughs> Who will want me? Mm-hmm. And for what? And they say, listen, they will pay for your studies. And I said, mm, I don't think that's true. I thought they were lying to me. Mm-hmm. One, so in one Sounds of, too good. Right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. One of my jobs, somebody, I received a call and they say, hey, there's a recruiter from Iowa State University who wants to talk to you. And uh, so I took the phone call. Not only the, they wanted to talk to me, but the person spoke Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget when I answer the phone and I see this. His name was Jaime Hernandez. And he was explaining to me, he says, we, somebody mentioned that you're interested in coming to graduate school. This yeah. is what we can offer you. We can offer you an assistantship. Mm-hmm. We can offer you also uh, um, tuition remission and all that good stuff. So I went to graduate school. Uh, while I was in graduate school, I, the person who hired me who was my, became my mentor. And the funny thing is that he hired me to um, actually coordinate the program that um, that recruited graduate students and provided them assistantship. So we had a budget of $1 million, and he just said, here, work with that. Um, Amanda, a little bit of what, what did you do after college? What was that experience, like that transition from, okay, yeah. I'm done with school, and then what do I do next, you know? Yes, yeah. So uh, the whole time I was in college, I was thinking about jobs, right? So um, I had a, I was doing a lot of networking um, to look for research positions. And so I was very fortunate that when I was in my undergraduate in Seattle, wrapping up my degree, I got connected f- through a friend of a friend uh, to the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center. And so I met with a, uh, one of the investigators there and started doing things like just cleaning fish tanks in their lab. And then was really fortunate the timing worked out where I was able to uh, move full time into a research assistantship there as a research tech in that lab and then got a lot of mentorship and was encouraged by um, uh, my employer. Her name is Catherine Peichel um, to then just collect stories. And she told me, when you have this job, you can do it two ways. Either way is right. You can come in nine to five and go home. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to use this as an opportunity to think about graduate school, then we'll find a research project for you. You come to lab meetings. We'll send you to national conferences and then um, also help you network and you can go to uh, research talks and things like that. So I chose the second option because I didn't really know what this graduate school thing was yeah. about. Uh, and through that, decided I did want to go to graduate school. And when I was in graduate school, um, again at UW Seattle uh, in their fisheries program, as I was entering that program, had an opportunity c- to connect with other graduate students who also identified as Latinx or Native American. Mm-hmm. And uh, helped to co-found a student chapter of a national organization called SOCNIS, Society for Advancement of Hispanics, Chicanos, and Native Americans in the Sciences. Wow. That's and a it was, it's a long awesome. title, but it sounds really good. It's so good. And they have this great story about how they started at um, a, a scientific meeting where uh, Native American and, and Latinx scientists were in an elevator going to lunch. And they said, gosh, if this elevator crashes at this conference, all the brown people are gone. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was an organization that was started uh, from folks from um, particular communities for that community, and it's just had this really beautiful, powerful history. So, as I was entering and, and considering starting this chapter, I had an older um, graduate student. Uh, her name is Charlotte Lambert, Doctor Charlotte Lambert, uh, and she was like, "Hey, you should come to us with this national conference." I, was, I can't afford that, mm-hmm. and she's let's ask the school for money. And I was like, "Can we do Can that? Can we do that?" <laughs> Can we ask them Is for money? 
<laughs> and yeah, and she got me funding to be able to attend, and then it was over. And so in graduate school, one of the ways that I was prepared for success is that I had this really tight network of student leaders within a student organization who were really passionate um, and were in the right place at the right time where the university was like, how do we diversify STEM programs and what does this look like? And so got a seat at a lot of different tables about how do we do that in STEM mm-hmm. um, and how do we do that with genuine student voice and leadership and have just continued those lessons and um, went back last spring to celebrate the 10-year anniversary of the chapter and wow. reached out to the other founders and got video um, shout outs and encouragements to the current chapter students. So that has definitely been hugely foundational in how I think about my leadership. Hi again. I thought now would be a good time to talk with you about the We Are First Generation project. About 65% of UW Tacoma students are first generation. We created this project both as a way to honor our students and to serve as a resource for those who are thinking about attending college but don't know where to start. If you're a first generation student or if you know someone who is, I encourage you to visit the UW Tacoma website and type We Are First Generation into the search bar. Okay, that's it for now. Back to the show. So now with based on your experiences, what do you do now? How does that relate to the role that you have at the university? I will say um, through my, I've been working in student affairs for 19 years, and I have been very fortunate um, to have very strong colleagues that believe in opportunities for students, especially first-generation students. Mm-hmm. Um, programs that I have worked with, we, we have been able to work from the middle school, school students, opportunities for middle school and high school students all the way through their tenure in college and guiding them through the path to graduate school, the process. Um, I will say that one of the areas that I would like, for example, here I would like to emphasize is providing opportunities for students where they can have access to those um, internships, mm-hmm. research opportunities, or different needs according to their classification year, because each student has a, a, a particular need according to true. their yeah. growth. For example, a fresh, the needs of a freshman student, first-generation freshman students, are going to be very different from the sophomore, junior, or senior. Mm-hmm. Um, where I used to work, uh, I was able to coordinate a program. It was the George Washington Carver Scholarship Program, where we were able to provide a scholarship, a full scholarship for students all throughout their tenure in, in college during their undergraduate program. And to be very honest... A scholarship, give a scholarship to a student is very easy. Mm-hmm. Yes, very easy. <laughs> the most difficult part is to make sure that you as a student can keep that scholarship and make it grow and grow mm-hmm. yourself holistically. Mm-hmm. And that should be the responsibility of the institution. Mm-hmm. We can give a scholarship, but our responsibility is make sure that the student, we can retain the student and graduate. And my hope is that while I'm here, through collaborations with different units on our campus, that we can create those pathways for the students where they can succeed. And not only that, that they can grow holistically as the student and as a civic-minded human being, and that they can see that their experiences, their, pa- their current and past experiences are an asset to our institution, that they're contributing to the history and the culture of this particular institution, wherever they may be, in this case, UW Tacoma. Again, I would like to be able to provide those, through connections and collaborations, opportunities for students according to their classification year, for seniors and juniors, that they can experience what is research, 
to publish, to connect with faculty, have mentorship for freshmen and sophomore students, to for them to start thinking about study abroad, maybe national yeah, student Because there's a lot of things that they don't know about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. But above all, also to be able to give them the information that they don't know that they don't know. Resources. Connect them to resources. Guide them through resources. Because I can tell you, hey, you might want to go to the Office of Global Affairs and think about and get this information. But it's better if actually I can say, let me connect you with so-and-so in this particular office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is what you can expect to when you visit this office. Mm-hmm. Actually, I even have one of your peers who has user services, and these are what this is what they gain. But I would like for both of you to meet. So maybe develop a peer mentor, uh, mentorship, mentorship program yeah. where the students actually can have people who can relate to them who are going through the same situations of experiences that they can trust at the same time. So those are some of the programs. And my hope also is that we get to know who are freshmen, uh, our first generation students on our campus. Who are they? What are their needs? Um, what are they bringing to our campus? And what services do we have already that can meet those needs? And what services we can actually develop to actually help them and help them to succeed in their career path? Um, and instead of having this mentality, because most of the times it, it will need institutional, we will have to change our institutional mindset. Mindset, yeah. Whereas most of the times we're most folk, mostly focused on, is the student prepared to come to college? We're focused on that and student preparedness rather than, is our institution prepared, prepared for our for students? That. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So I know it will take time and I know we're ready. I mean, through the advocacy of our students, Mm -hmm. you all did a fabulous job. You continue to do a great job. The advocacy also of faculty and staff, you all have been able to create this position. Mm -hmm. You all have been able to actually have a space for the program. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no stopping you all now, Mm -hmm. you know. And the important thing is that I respect the legacy of those who have worked so hard to develop, to be where we are right now and make it grow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amanda? Yes. What are some things that, you know, that because of your college experience, Mm -hmm. you have implemented now that you have a position at the university? Or what are some things that you want to change in the future as well? Oh, gosh, that's a really long question. Do we have another hour? (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay, that's fine. I'll be short. Uh, So, so many things. One of the things that I did not appreciate at the time, um, my graduate degree is in aquatic and fishery sciences. Mm -hmm. But along the pathway, through Sockness, through my networks, I got connected to learning scientists as well. And so really studied that intersection of how do people learn and specifically how do organizations, individuals create equitable learning environments and think about culturally sustaining education. And so taking that framework of understanding how people learn, understanding how Humans have evolved to be learning machines, and we are learning all the time in formal settings and outside of formal settings. That That's a lens that I bring to my work. Mm-hmm. Also, thinking about first-generation experiences. I have my own, um, you know, my own set of experiences. True. They don't intersect in all the ways that other folks do, right? Mm-hmm. So I always remind myself that my experiences are not everyone's experiences, mm-hmm. But I know that my experiences did not line up with the majority of folks who have been successful in that system. And so remaining curious, mm-hmm. um, I really, uh, in the last few years, have really embraced this concept of gracious space. And 
And part of that talks about inviting the stranger, which means you're actively, intentionally seeking out folks whose experiences and perspectives are different than your own. And that's definitely something I try to practice um, as an educator at Mm UW-Tacoma. Some of my dreams for UW-Tacoma. Oh, my God. um, (laughs) Like, oh, here comes the dreams. (laughs) Some of my dreams is that uh, as an institution that we shift our framework a lot like um, what Yanira was sharing. um, And so that we don't just talk about students graduating, but we talk about them graduating with multiple offers. Mm -hmm. Our data are very clear that our students are coming to us because they understand that earning a college degree will positively impact their future. Mm -hmm. And so I really have been um, singing, I don't know, beating a drum, singing a song, however you want to say it, about um, really inviting the campus to be thought partners in what happens after they earn that degree. Yes, It's not sufficient to just earn that degree. There's a whole set of cultural family capital that, goes with making that degree mean something so that you get to where you want to get. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about the wages that you earn. I think mm-hmm. economic mobility is a large part mm-hmm. of it. But there is a particular kind of privilege that you have when you can take your education and then you understand then how to utilize that to make your own definition of mm-hmm. success. And then then you understand the steps and you understand um, kind of the dominant system pathways so that you either choose how to navigate within those or say, forget those pathways. I'm going to create my own pathways Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you take it with you like education is like i have my own little luggage like i'm taking that with me every time i go i go down the street i go to the store yes it's everywhere you know it shapes you yeah it really shapes shapes you. you and it's interesting because it will always be with you and you are able to see how it opens. And I know it sounds like a cliche, but it opens many doors, windows, mm-hmm. opens, it provides you with many opportunities. And uh, at the same time, I think it's your responsibility to, or at least let me talk for, about myself. I think it's my responsibility at the same time as I was, oh, there were paths available for me um, and already created that I should do the same for those who are coming after me yeah. yes. or behind To make me. it easier for them. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and actually, at least to make it fair, mm-hmm. at least to make it fair, mm-hmm. um, to carve that path for them uh, if, as best as I can and with the resources that I have. Um, I think it's my responsibility at yeah. this point, just at least, in, in to, and we can all walk, walk and work together to achieve those goals and to get them, like you say, mm-hmm. Amanda, to that stage that is not just graduating and then what? Where can people <laughs> yes. find you if they need to reach out to Yanira or Amanda? Oh, excellent. So we actually, we got a new space. We're located in the mat building, mattress building in room 213. That's on the second floor. Uh, it's it's the office that it used to be financial aid office right now. So oh, that's where we're located. getting very confused about them. That's like, mm, right. Walking into financial aid. You're like, no, this person fellows. Which actually <laughs> is a good thing because mm-hmm. then we get a lot of people who were not expecting that space. And then we gives us an opportunity to explain <laughs> who are we, what we do, how can we help, and how can they be part of the program. Um, so we're located in the second floor, Math 213. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we are on the first floor of the Mattress Factory in room 106. And so you can connect there with our crew development. We've got drop-in hours with our career prep consultants. We've got the pack advisors who work out of their orientation programs. We've got a lot of opportunities, including access ambassadors who work with our pre-college visits. 
and we usually have food around our table. So always, Yay, eggs, always food is always <laughs> the best part. <laughs> and I will also say sometimes <clears throat> when folks think about career development, they only think about jobs. Um, and to just step back for a moment, when I say students walking across the stage with multiple offers, also graduate school as mm-hmm. part of that, yes, that's true. helping our students understand that graduate school is a, a really great pathway and that the career development office also has resources to support that. Thank you, Yanira. And thank you, you, Amanda, for coming in and like talking a little bit about your experiences. I know it's something very personal. Um, And thank you just for sharing that with all of us. And thank you for all the work that you do at the university. Thank you for your leadership, Maria. You you are a force on the campus. Thank you. Thank you to our guests and a big thank you to our senior lecturer, Nicole Blair, for letting us play your music on the show. Thank you to Moon Yard Recording Studio and thank you for joining us today. Thank you.